Marawa Sports Worldwide. Being Marawa Sports Worldwide, we go worldwide once again. Let me touch base with the man who would know more than most, Piers Edwards, a BBC World TV presenter. Piers, how long do you think Maurizio Sarri has? Oh gosh, I, 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 I don't think Mauricio Sarri has got very long left. I mean, he would just limp on, what is it? He wants to play a certain system. Sarri Ball, as, as it's been widely nicknamed, but to play the certain system, he needs to have the right players. Now, he doesn't have all the right players around his favourite player, which is Jorginho, and he doesn't seem to be winning over the Chelsea players. Uh, on the training ground, he's surely he's going to be out of a job. I wonder what he was scribbling, actually, uh, when Keba just told him he's not coming off. He went, he sat down, his scribbled. <laughs> I was thinking... I'm sure it wasn't principal. Hashtag NSW Well, I can tell you that he's never, ever shied away from controversy since being elected into office as the CAF president back in 2017. But it's also the latest revelations that could prove to be a stumbling block, though, in Ahmed Ahmed's ambitions uh, of re-election next March. And we've also learned somehow uh, that the Malagasy has been found to have breached the FIFA Code of Conduct. Um, and the sentencing later on this month could be a knockout blow for him. Uh, yet again, hmm. I mean, it, it's it's crazy. It's it's got to do with a French deal for CAF. Yeah, it's a French deal for CAF that's become problematic again, and that is why I pause there because I want you to allow that to sink in. And this time for sportswear, we're going to go all the way to the UK to find out more from the man who's been following the story very, very closely. No stranger to Marawa Sports Worldwide, the BBC World TV presenter and also reporter uh, within African news, especially, uh, but globally as well. Piers Edwards joins me on the line. Uh, Piers, thank you so much for your time. Good evening. Good evening, Robert. How are you doing? Ah, it's an interesting question because it's it's a bit surreal, <laughs> though. I know the UK has gone into a, a harsher lockdown. We have gotten to a lesser lockdown level, but the numbers seem to be increasing. I don't know how you're coping on that side. Uh, we're not coping very well on this side. On Thursday, we go into a 27-day lockdown. Um, <clears throat> it's going to be a bit different to the one that we had earlier in the year and that... Um, Children uh, can still go to school. Schools are still open, universities too. So I think that frees up a bit of pressure on the parents. But other than that, I would say uh, we are not on top of the disease or the virus. You guys? 27-day lockdown. Yeah. But the Premier League will continue, Robert. So this is, this is at least <laughs> yeah. some sort of medicine uh, for the next month or so. You realise uh, just how important it is to, to have some diversions and to watch sports. Personally speaking, of But it's an, it's an important one, though, Piers, because whatever the lessons are that come through from the Americas, that come through from the UK, uh, are also lessons that we should be learning from because we see people starting to slack off, people having a great time, they're partying, um, having hubblies and passing them on, and yet we know exactly what causes and what spreads this virus, and yet people just continue with their wayward ways. 
I couldn't agree with you more. I think you're inviting me to go on a rant, the sort of thing I talk about to my friends. But yes, <laughs> I think the responsibility is with every one of us to make sure we don't infect others. And if you don't do that, there's nothing more you can do, but you've just got to be responsible. And uh, certainly here in London, I, I think uh, social distancing is, uh, let's say, regrettably absent. So they have to introduce harsher measures to make sure that people do do some sort of uh, self-isolation or whatever, it's social distancing. I feel we got off topic. I think stress, yeah, I was going to say, I think it's off topic, but it's also relevant, though, because we cannot run away from the fact that uh, lessons learned anywhere else are are lessons for us. It's a global pandemic, and I I do wish you strength in terms of what you're going to be going through from Thursday. Talking about social distancing, it doesn't seem like the camp president has been able to social distance away from trouble. No, he certainly hasn't. And as you said, you know, we at the BBC understand that he has um, been found to have failed or, or to have breached various uh, FIFA code of ethics. I should point out, of course, that uh, Ahmad himself denies any wrongdoing. But um, the FIFA investigatory chamber of the Ethics Committee has uh, reached its decision. And uh, as I understand it, he has breached various codes of conduct which means that the next step, of course, is that he will be uh, given his sentence, uh, a sentence he can indeed appeal, should he so desire to do so, a uh, sport's highest legal body, the Court of Arbitration for Sport in Switzerland. But my understanding is that is the next step in the process that he'll be banned. Obviously, he will then be in, in, ineligible to uh, contest for the CAF presidency, not just because he's likely to be banned from um, football for uh, a number of years, but also uh, because to as the CAF president, you automatically, as you all know for well, Robert, uh, get an automatic seat on the, on the FIFA vice presidency, and uh, you would have to go through and pass an eligibility test for that. And so uh, he would not be able to take the post of a CAF president, even should he make it uh, to the elections in March uh, in Morocco. Do you know, Piers, what happens, though, because it almost looks inevitably like he'll be going unchallenged as far as his position is concerned. And so if he is going unchallenged into the presidency, uh, then where does that leave African football? Uh, it's a very good question. It would leave African football in a, in a, in a very um, wrong situation, let's say, diplomatically. Um, it would not be good optics or a good look for the continent. So uh, there's certainly an expectation, and I certainly believe that there will be other names coming through. As I understand it, Ahmad himself was the only person to have formally submitted a candidacy uh, when uh, he announced his re-election last Wednesday, which was also the day the BBC published the story about his uh, failed uh, ethics case, as it were. And since then, there's been a lot of... Um, discussions behind the scenes about candidates who are now going to step up and run. You may remember that um, it was just over 10 days ago or so that uh, Ahmad uh, produced a letter, or it came from your region, Kosafa, the Southern African Football Council, uh, led by Philip Chiangu in Zimbabwe, who, who helped the Ahmad presidency campaign in 2017 successfully. So, of course, he then produced a letter two weeks ago saying that 46 of Africa's 54 uh, football Association supported Ahmad. So that's obviously a pretty big numbers. Um, now you're scrabbling around trying to find candidates from various countries. Now, unlike the last uh, elections in 2017, you can get candidates from outside the executive committee. In 2017, you had to be on the executive committee to run for the post. Now you don't. So uh, it invites bids from all 54 of Africa's uh, nations, only one bid per country. 
I'm very much expecting to see a fair few names on the list when the um, the candidacy period ends on, uh, I think it's Thursday of next week. And so I know that there are lots of talks going on and people being uh, pushed to run here, there and everywhere. Lots of It's politics after all, as you know. And so lots of people will be pushing their candidates and um, I, I'm pretty sure we're going to have a few names on the list. And not necessarily the ones that we might expect. No, certainly. That is why I'm saying an unopposed uh, running is just one that is so very typical of this side of the world that, you know, people garner around a certain leader and then pull the weight behind them. But let's get to the meat of this thing, though, because the tactical steel company, or is it a, a gym manufacturer? Um, that involves. Yeah, it, it involves a, a certain friend, I believe, of Ahmed's. Give me the breakdown of what's caused all of this conflict. Uh, you would have to go back to uh, 2017, and um, and the uh, I believe the CHAN, the African Nations Championship, the football tournament in Africa, which is uh, for, for players based in their own countries. Uh, the tournament was being held in Morocco at short notice, having been moved from Kenya. And there was a call to provide some equipment, and it was picked up by um, President Ahmad's office and uh, the company that was used tactical steel, as you say, a little-known French gym manufacturer. Well, it was run by an old friend of Ahmad's, then Attaché, Attaché, uh, another man from Madagascar by the name of Loïc Geron. And Loïc Geron and uh, the owner of tactical steel served in the army together, we understand, in the BBC. Uh, the deal went through them. There was a, 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 a similar deal that was cancelled with Puma, and that deal with Puma was slightly smaller, but uh, cost four times less than the deal that was approved with Tactical Steel um, by the CAF president, Ahmad, who has, I should stress, repeatedly denied any wrongdoing in this occasion. But as you'll remember, FIFA, when they uh, worked together with CAF from August of last year to, to February of this, uh, they, they sent in auditors, to uh, CAF headquarters in the Egyptian capital, Cairo. They conducted an audit. On the strength of that audit, they then commissioned a second audit. Further investigation was asked for into tactical steel. And uh, as I understand it, that is just one of, of, of uh, a handful of charges um, that have been, um, that the AMAT has found to have breached in terms of the various codes of conduct. It's not just tactical steel, but there are others as well. But that's the background to the tactical steel deal, and it should be pointed out as well, they didn't just... Uh, supply kit where for the African Nations Championship they did some stuff for the, the beach soccer championship they did a little bit of work for the Africa Cup of Nations and then they were also involved in a deal to distribute uh, uh, thousands of footballs to all FA presidents uh, across the continent Well so what I picked up which is a bit strange you, you kind of touch on it now Piers within the article a great article that you put out there for the BBC is is that they had put out on their website uh, that you know their role was both in making and supplying gym and not football equipment and that is the irony <laughs> <Exactly>. uh, I... <laughs> well there you go I mean I think uh, you, you've answered your own question haven't you I mean they are as you say gym manufacturer you just have to go to their website they've not even made mm. any attempt to to add any connection with Adidas, who was the supposed kitwear supplier uh, for for the deal for the Confederation of African Football. There's no mention of that. Um, they are a gym manufacturer. They did a deal to supply the African football organization body with football uh, equipment. It obviously invited certain uh, questions and um, 
let's go back to early 2019 when the four, well, the then Secretary General of the Confederation of African Football, an Egyptian by the name of Amr Fami, who is no longer with us. Well, he um, he died of um, uh, a brain tumour, I should say, uh, very sadly in the last year. But he was the one who was responsible for sending in the complaints to the FIFA so that their ethics committee could indeed pick it up and look at it, which, of course, they did. Um, and uh, he, he basically blew the whistle on this deal, which I should, of course, say that French anti-corruption authorities are also looking into. They, took, uh, they questioned Mr. Ahmad in Paris in July 2019 about the, 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 um, the, the deal with Tactical Steel before uh, he then went away. No charges followed. Um, but they are interested in, in the deal, and I understand their interest is still ongoing. So it has, as you can imagine, attracted a lot of attention. People have said, why is he being unfairly targeted, especially within the French region? Is there something uh, deeper that we don't know about, though, Piers? Because he's here on the continent um, almost every time, and and there is no such threat on his being, whether being arrested or threatened to be arrested, um, etc., or any legalities that are brought to his side. Uh, But the minute he leaves the continent, helps across to uh, France, and then all sorts of trouble starts to brew again. Well, what, what do you mean? Hello? Hello? Yes, sorry, Robert. Could you, could, what, what do you mean? I mean, he, he goes yeah. to France and... Uh, I think he yeah, has, no. I understand, he has been back to France since he was uh, taken into question, eh? Hundred percent. Hence, I'm saying that again with this latest uh, scenario that is brewing and which has been reported by yourselves, it, it, it does look again that the source of it is coming from the very same place and area where the the, the last arrest was was enacted. Aha. Uh-huh. <laughs> I think uh, there are various um, uh, sources, let's say, and. Um, it, it, I, I think it would be wrong to just, just pinpoint um, France as, as, as leading, you know, obviously the investigations are ongoing. And I, I should say that, uh, as I understand it, it is not just this deal, as said, with, with tactical steel, but there are other areas that are also being looked at, which haven't happened on French soil, just to be clear, but have happened yeah. elsewhere as well. And, and those are also uh, being looked into. And I'd imagine that we will be finding out further details about them, um, well, perhaps this month. By the time it's, it's March 2021, just from, if you had to glaze or, or gaze into your particular <laughs> speculative <laughs> mirror ball there, uh, Piers, w- w- where do you see this really ending? Because, like it or not, the year's trudging on so quickly, it will be March before we know it and some form of outcome would be needed, or some form of new president of CAF would be needed, whether it is Ahmed or somebody else, but something would need to happen uh, around that. Well, I, I expect a great deal to happen, uh, frankly, over the next 10 days or so. I, we're going to see who the um, the candidates are when we, we know uh, who's made it onto the ballot post. Um, and then all the politicking will, will begin. It'll be interesting to see who goes public with their candidacy, who does not. Um, as I said, I, I do not expect to see uh, President Ahmad in the ballot in the elections in March, and I think there will be new names, and um, and it will be very interesting to see who can corral support of the continent around him, and um, with what vision.
But um, I think it's undeniable that African football needs to improve its, 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 its governance and its, its direction. There are lots of um, issues going on. Let's not forget there was a billion-dollar deal cancelled with the French TV agency that needs to be looked at. And Supersport, the broadcasters in South Africa, of course, pulled out of a deal. I understand that was worth over $200 million. So that's $200 million of revenue that they cast lost in the blink of an eye. Also in litigation with, uh, with Lagardère, the French TV company, about over the, the fact that CAP wrote their deal. That, that could cost them tens of millions of dollars. So their finances are at issue. They're not getting any money in because they don't have any competitions. The Africa Cup of Nations got postponed from 2021 to 2022. Well, that's a competition that brings in about $50 million to CAP's coffers. That's not money coming in. The African Nations Championship is supposed to be happening in Ivory Coast in, in January. As I understand it, that brings in about $15 million, but that's also not coming in. Instead, money's going out of CAF to help countries that are, that are suffering from COVID. $16.2 million was given out by CAF to help countries battle COVID recently. So it's an organization whose finances are being strenuously tested at the moment. And, um, and that's something they've certainly got to address. And then they've got to address, as said, their governance and their image. Because with CAF's image being open to question, let's say, diplomatically, who's going to want to come in as a, as a, as a marketing or a sponsor side of things, therefore affecting the, the organization's ability to function ever more. So it's a key, key moment for CAF, and it'll be very interesting to see who takes the continent forward when they get elected in March, or she gets elected in March, um, and the direction. But, uh, but this is a, a really good opportunity for, for African football to be led in a different way. You've got to remember, obviously, the 30-year reign of Issa Hayati from Cameroon that was entered in 2017. That was a very authoritative regime where they, they, they pretty much did as they, they wanted, and, but they managed to keep a lot of stuff in-house. This reign under Ahmed has been turbulent, as you say. Mm. And, um, and now I would imagine most African football fans really hope that Cass can can get a better image a cleaner image for the future and actually start directing the, the continent's football in the right way. Well, before I let you go, Piers, a name that's just popped up, um, and I know a lot of Nigerian listeners do listen to this show across the African continent. Um, if I threw in the name of Amadou Pinnick as well, would he be one of those who would rule himself into a race, possibly, if Ahmed has shifted one side? Um, I think conceivably, yes, absolutely, he could. Um, it's about whether he he wants the role and, and whether he wants to do it. Um, he's certainly a name that people are expecting to hear from. I, I would have thought, obviously, before the, the deadline of the twelfth of November. Um, and we'll find out as, as um, he's yet to announce. So I imagine he's still gauging opinion behind the scenes. You, you, you know, if you bid for this CAF presidency and you go down in flames, that's as good as your sort of administrative career or, or, or certainly hopes and people or whatever it may be, you know, shot down in flames effectively. So you've got to really weigh up these decisions and whether you want to go for them. Um, and that's why I think it's going to be fascinating to see how many candidates genuinely come through. Uh, would it be two? Would it be three? Would it be ever, you know, will we stretch to five? But uh, I imagine we will have about two or three candidates. But I, I know that some of the people that I'm expecting to see run I'm told, will not be running for the post, which really opens it up to people outside the executive committee. And that's going to be interesting to see who comes forward um, and, and from where. No names of any South African potential leaders who'd want to be a CAF president that you've picked up on? Well, I mean, obviously, Danny Jordan is, 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 
obviously your local footballer, and, and he's uh, an, an obvious candidate. Should he should he want to run? I have to be honest with you, I've got no idea whether he wants to run or not. I, I understand that his aim, uh, long term aim, has been to be on the, the FIFA council, the FIFA board. Um, this would obviously be a way of him achieving that. Should he win, uh, he equally could go for the, the FIFA council place uh, himself. That are open at March's elections because it's not just the president, but other seats on on the CAF executive committee and the FIFA council. So, I, I I would be lying if I said I knew, but uh, you know, it, it's certainly a way for him to get to to where he's long wanted to go. My my colleague, I'm sure you know him. They ever outspoken Mamadou Gay as early as last week labeled the FIFA president Gianni Infantino as having enslaved the African continent uh, due to the fact that um, they had sent you know FIFA's uh, general general secretary Fatma Samora uh, to CAF uh, because they were still trying to improve the so-called governance um, of football mm. in, in 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 the continent what what do you think her role has been and has it been as effective as what FIFA thought it would be or should be. Whose role? Fatma Samura's role? Fatma, yes. Fatma, yeah. Fatma's role. Um, Well, I don't think they finished their mission, frankly. I think uh, they wanted to stay. I think they believed that they would continue for another, uh, uh, I don't know if it was six months, but I believe that they would continue beyond the six months. But uh, as I understand it, the CAF Executive Committee voted against that happening. Um, so I don't believe she was able to push through the reforms she wanted. You may remember back in February, Gianni Infantino announced a billion-dollar plan to, to invest in a new stadium, either brand new or sort of refurbished, in every single African country, when there was also mention of an African Super League involving something like 20 to 24 teams, which I don't think there would have been any relegation from. And there was money coming in, possibly from uh, a, a, a global Club World Cup deal, which would bring in a lot of money to FIFA coppers. Some of that money was clearly going to end up in Africa with this, this Super League. So, but that was the talk then, and, and there's been precious little talk of that billion dollars and, and a new stadium in every country and a, and a, a new all-singing and all-dancing African Super League ever since. So, And that was said in, in just at the time that the FIFA's reign was, was terminated. So I don't believe that uh, FIFA managed to do everything that mm. it wanted to do in terms of improving the governance of Africa. It's certainly not, no. Plenty of tweets that have popped up as we're chatting, Piers, and, and, and one that I thought, let me just quickly uh, pick up on it and get your opinion about it. It's a fair question coming through from Joseph M., uh, who says it's time for ex-professional footballers to run, CAF. Uh, we've got capable individuals. And after the, the roughing up of a DDA Drogba, uh, just in terms of his trying to get involved, uh, I can imagine it's never going to be easy for people that are outside um, of all of these cabals to come in. That is exactly right, Robert, absolutely. And I think the Didier Job, for example, is very good. Um, and the people who've been in power in the Ivory Coast, for example, they obviously have a lot of backing um, from the clubs. Whether that is genuine support or they, the, the people who feel that they have to uh, is unknown. But I think when the candidates were announced for the FIFA, sorry, not for the FIFA, for the, for the Ivory Coast FA elections, you have to have something like six or eight uh, clubs in, in various divisions backing you. And the, the, 
the lead candidate had over 40 people or 40 clubs supporting him. And, and Drogba, even though he was the former national captain and obviously a footballer of stellar fame and achievement, um, he could only basically muster the bare number that he needed to, to get through. He couldn't get any more. I think, it was, I think it was eight or something, and he couldn't get more than eight. And it shows you what sort of power is wielded by those in control. And that's who you've got to beat. Um, I think the Jogba case is still being looked at, by the way, we should say, by both FIFA and CAF. I would say that not all is lost for DDA Jogba, um, uh, because I know that there's a task force looking at, at, at the legitimacy of that process whereby Jogba was far from going. But yeah, you're, you're, you know, you're, you're taking on established people who, who like their jobs and to live their life uh, in a certain way, and they often have the power and they don't want to relinquish that control. And that is a big problem. Who do we see coming through in terms of former administration? We've got some in there, like Tony Baffo, the Ghanaian, yeah. who played in Germany, obviously. He, he, he's involved in, in some sort of level there. Kalusha Boalia, obviously, has worked in administration. There, there are some players coming through, but I think it's, it's just got to be the right person to, to do the job. And, um, you know, who knows if a former footballer is going to be any better. Oh, absolutely. I mean, you mentioned Kalusha. We all remember the great work that he did as a as a FAS president um, at a time when, you know, Zambia went on to win the Africa Cup of Nations. And that's a name when it comes to leadership in football uh, that is highly, highly respected. Piers, as always, thank you so much indeed. Love the work that you're doing. And we'd certainly follow your work very closely on social media. And this is one we'll keep an eye on. Thank you so much for joining us on Marawa Sports Worldwide. Thank you, Robert, and uh, stay safe as well, like uh, everybody listening out there as well, I hope. Thank you so much. That's the BBC World TV presenter and also reporter uh, within Africa. That's Piers Edwards.